going, everybody, and welcome back to your favorite swim bait podcast, Scales and Tails, episode fifty-two. And today we're we're joined by another bait maker. Uh, we haven't like so you guys will be listening to this on on a Monday, and so the Monday before would be the last episode. So you guys actually listened to Clayton Sly, Sly Guy Lures talking, and honestly, Clayton was the first bait builder I've had on in a while, and now we're having Mister Sherpa Baits, Mister. Saying no, 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 Passan, right? Correct. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I I started to say it how I thought it was really, and I'm like, no, no, that's not it. We just talked <laughs> about this, but uh, we're having Mr. Sang on. No, no, Passan, and uh, we're <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive in on he got, how he got into bait building and stuff, and it's kind of like I said, a little special treat because I haven't talked to a bait builder in a long time. It feels like, and so now we're getting two back to back. I know guys like talking to when I talk to anglers and stuff, but I, I enjoy picking the mind of builders because you guys wouldn't be catching fish if it wasn't for these guys and, and what they're doing and the ingenuity they have. So we're going to dive into it, man. I mean, straight out of the gate, how how did you get into bass fishing per, or not bass fishing? How did you get into fishing personally? So, I mean, if you want to go really, really far back, um, I was born we'll go, in we'll go all the, We'll go all yeah. the way back. <laughs> I was born in Namche Bazaar, Nepal. It's in the Solukumbu district, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, 14,000 feet above sea level. And, uh, you know, many things, it's crazy that I'm here today because, you know, um, my life could have been completely different, dude. I could have been a monk or something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. I'm here today, and it's a pretty cool story of how I got here, too. But anyways. Dude, if, um, dude no, if, if you want to talk about that, because, like, that is very interesting like you just said monk and that like just piqued my interest because obviously i talk i've talked to 48 49 other guys in the u.s i've talked to one guy in germany like if you want to talk about bringing feel free to do it because i'm i'm here to listen to it you really want to hear it dude yes (laughs) i I want to hear it from what my mom told me right okay the day i was born right i was born in namche bazaar uh stolokumbu district of nepal it's the gateway to Mount Everest, the uh, the village, right? Um, oh, so, dude. Yes. So if you were to go on an expedition to climb Mount Everest, Namche Bazaar is probably the last uh, village or town you would go through to get your last-minute supplies, rest up, and stuff like that. But anyways, so when I was born, um, uh, right around that same time, this is just a story my mom told me, so right around the same time, a very high priest Mm-hmm. passed away and my grandfather's sister who was a monk she had this idea of putting me up in a monastery because uh in my in my culture they believe in like reincarnation and stuff yeah so <laughs> they believe that i was the re- reincarnated version of the uh of the of the high priest that passed away they call them like rinpoches okay which is just another word for like you know like a high priest but that didn't happen. My mom was like, hell no. <laughs> it was my only son. And she was also like a single mother. Well, her and my dad, my dad weren't really getting along too well. So anyways, um, that never happened. Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end made-in-the-USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference too. 
Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. I think I spent, I don't know, two, three, three years with my mom there. I grew up there until I was like four. And then my mother came to America to find work so that she could, you know, put me in a good school, which she did. And they sent me off to this school in India, in Darjeeling, India. Well, it's the town's name was called uh, Kalingpong. Kalingpong. Uh, it's right next to Darjeeling. I went to this really uh, super strict, like, all-boys school. It was a Swedish Catholic school. And uh, I was there from pre-K until fifth grade. Um, it was uh, it was it was pretty tough, man. It wasn't easy, you know, like growing yeah. up there with no 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 parents. So I got in a lot of trouble and got in fights, and I would act out a lot. Um, and uh, so how this how this relates to fishing is, I would stay instead of boarding at the school. I would mm-hmm. stay at a hostel, which was outside the school. Okay. And I would tra- I would travel to the school through with a bus. Like the van would take us up every morning, bring us to school, and then take us home again. So, you know, when we have vacations, uh, the hostel would take us. You know, to like have picnics up in the hills. You know, bring us down to like the fair where they you can go to the carnival and like go on like merry go round. So we do stuff like that. Then one of the trips was actually a trip to a river, which was like probably like forty-five minutes to an hour south from where the where the hostel was. That's when I got my first taste of fishing. Um, I remember, you know, me, me, and a couple of my friends were like obviously just swimming, playing around the water, and then uh, one of the people that that works at the hostel, her brother. Mm-hmm lived at the in a village nearby and he came by with fishing hooks right he came by with fishing hooks line like very super light line and uh and like we didn't have fishing poles it was literally just a stick <laughs> but uh didn't know how to tie a knot dude the hooks so, you know on the hook eye it wasn't like you know how we have like a on a hook eye the 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 eye of the hook yep it's a, it goes right through these hook eyes were like, they were just smashed. There was no hole in it. So you'd have to like tie like a snell knot. I think that's what it is. Oh, like yeah, around the yeah. shank. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I didn't know how to tie that. <laughs> but he did. So I was watching him tie that. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, I want to learn it. And then eventually he taught me how to tie it. He still couldn't grasp it, but I tied my own version of it, you know. Made and, it work. Uh, yeah. It was a really cool, it was so cool when, uh, when I saw him, right? Um, so he goes over, grabs his hook, and puts a little ball of rice on it, dude. And goes over to this big rock and stands over it and puts, uh, he, he lowers his, uh, the hook and the bait down right on the edge of the rock. And right away, he gets a little fish. It's like tiny little, like, uh, river fish. It's probably not bigger than four inches long. But he's plucking them out literally left and right, dude. And it looks so much fun. So obviously I wanted to I wanted to do the same thing and we did. And uh man, I don't know, man. I just fell in love with it. It just you know that rush you get when you when you hook into something. Yeah, yeah. And uh Dude. Yeah. 
So, you want to hear something funny about that, though? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. This is this is how it this is this goes to show how there's like no fishing regulations in other countries. Oh boy! So we, while we were doing that, right, we're just playing around, you know, obviously throwing them back, and uh, <laughs> we look up the stream, dude. Right, <laughs> you see three guys, you see two guys carrying something really heavy. And then you see this other guy. He's got, like, two long sticks in his hand, right? <laughs> Dude, these guys are going around shocking the water. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the fish would just float up to the top. But I think they were, like, you know, local fishermen. They were probably, that's probably how they fed their family and stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty wild to see. And, you know, I got my first taste of fishing through there. Another funny thing was I brought home a, free, I brought home a crab with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I brought a crab home with me out of the river, and uh, you know, I just kept it as a pet for a little bit, and it didn't really make it. Didn't make it. The uh, <laughs> the uh, the elder at the hostel, uh, she found out I had it, and she made me let him go. Uh, I don't think the thing survived because you know it was obviously very far away from any water. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was just kind of just a. It was uh, an experience that I can't forget. <laughs> or a race out of my head. Dude, and... hands down, 52 episodes in, and you are number one on, on your upbringing and in, in your backstory into fishing. Like, um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, a lot of guys on here have like, oh, my, my dad fished, my grandpa fished, which, I mean, is cool, super cool, traditional thing. I understand it. But right. that story you just told me, like, that is – that is your story. You share that story with nobody else but yourself. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody has a variation of that story. Nobody. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. That was, I'm glad, first, I'm glad I asked you. I'm glad I asked anybody, dude. Dude, <laughs> that is in that much detail, you know, dude, that is so badass. Like you, you, I, I'm, I'm so glad I made you elaborate on that. And I, I'm glad I, I thank you for going into detail like that, because that is the coolest story that, has dude honestly story that is the coolest one that's been on the podcast like <laughs> catch, catching a pb is super cool but hearing about that like is just so crazy so you get you get into like you're catching these fish and stuff and, and you keep keep this crab and everything did it just kind of eat at you when you were at school and and you were acting up and stuff like i wish i was out there just living my life out there catching catching those four inch river fish like that was so much fun i i want to be doing that still yeah, dude, I wanted to go back to that. I was always wondering when we would go back, and I would ask the auntie, which is the elder at the at yeah. the uh, hostel. I'd always ask her, "When are we going back? When are we going back?" And I don't know if she was just misleading me, maybe to behave a little bit better, you know. Uh, she would say, "Yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back," but we never went back. Um, and not too long after that, I came over to the states, you know, um, because. My mom had met my stepdad, you know, um, in 1998, and then in 2001 I came to America. Okay. After after like a long battle with the U.S. Embassy, trying to get oh, I believe it. You know, it was very tough. Um, I got denied a bunch of times, and eventually, you know, I got over here, and and uh. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for, you know, select few people in my life today still. And 
my stepdad. Most of all, my stepdad. Yeah. Damn, dude. How how old were you when you finally got over here? Ten years old, going on eleven. Damn. <clears throat> so uh, twenty two years almost now. Heck yeah, dude. Gonna be thirty two in January. That's so freaking awesome. Did you finish out your boys' school out there, or did you just kind of? Like at, at one point in time, was your family like, okay, we're we're going to the U.S. and then you guys just packed up and and you know fought that long battle to end up getting over here? Yep. Well, it was just me that was over there. You know, I have my oh, grandparents, yeah, yeah, and aunts, right. and uncles over there, but it was just me. My mother was already over here, and okay. she she got married to my stepdad, and um, and they were trying to bring me over here so that you know we could live as a family. You know? uh, yeah, yeah. And my grandfather they were all like advising against it. They were like, Hey, maybe you should let him finish his high school and then bring him over. But my stepdad was like, nah, screw that dude. I want my kid here. You know, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. I want my, my son here. And you know what, man, he treated me just like, like I was, his, I was his own, you know, which is, which is very, very nice. I don't know if, uh, other people experienced that, but my experience of having a stepdad was probably the best. Yeah, he was, dude, that he was is... my dad. I, I I pretty much call him my dad. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's so freaking awesome. And like, do you ever think like what it would have been like if you stayed over there throughout your high school years? Like, you you would come over here and you would be like speaking as of now. You'd be so far set back from where you are now. Like, you would, ah, dude. I don't know. I could not imagine I moving think... to a country. Yeah, if I had spent high school over there, I mean. It, don't get it wrong. The reason my English is, you know, as good as it is right now is because yeah. the school I went to over there, that school was a huge, huge melting pot of just like kids from all over Asia. It was a very, very prestigious school, like in education really? wise, you know? Yeah. So you would have kids from Bangladesh, China, Japan, you know, India, even kids from like um, Pakistan, you know, you'd have all different cultures in this one school and we were all forced to speak English. You know, it was, that was the universal language at the school. And if you got caught speaking a different language, they'd beat you. <laughs> oh shit, dude. Holy oh, crap. Dude, every teacher in that school would have their own beating stick, bro. I mean, obviously not every teacher would beat you, but yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's what they call discipline over there. Yeah, dude. That doesn't, doesn't mean it's right. You know, um, I I wouldn't do that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, that is. I th I think taking a kid's phone away or an Xbox away hurts more than beating them. <laughs> no, dude, yeah, for sure, especially <laughs> now. So, right. when when you get over here and stuff, you were probably right around that middle school age, probably like fifth, sixth grade, fourth grade. I don't, I terrible with ages and in, in schooling, but. Did you get right back into schooling here or did it take mm -hmm. a little bit to get acclimated and everything? So I passed fifth grade over there, right? Okay. And uh, when I got here, they, were, they told me I was too, old, too young to be in sixth grade. So I repeated fifth grade again. Are you serious? <laughs> which was very easy for me. And, dude, the stuff they were teaching me in fifth grade over there. Yeah, you know, I was just about to say. They were... The, they teach that stuff to like seventh, eighth graders over here, you know, especially the math, mm -hmm. not obviously not the English, but the math and some of the science stuff, 
you know, uh, the schools over there are very, very strict, man. Um, I made the cutoff just by the skin of my teeth because if I had stayed there until sixth grade, I would have had to gone to school six days a week instead of five days a week. <laughs> yeah, dude, like when, when you said it was super prestigious, I figured it was like very top of the line. You know, when, when I hear of um, prestigious schools in other countries, I think of they're, they are getting you ready to for university, college, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, so when you said that, I'm like, I bet you they were they were cramming down stuff down these these young kids, you know, into their brain. And then you come over here and it's it's like a cakewalk. Like you said, you're you are mentally two grades ahead of, of what they're already teaching you. So, I mean, you probably coasted through fifth, sixth and probably most of seventh grade. Like, oh, this is already stuff I know. I would I'm say just- fifth grade was very, very easy for me here. You know, um, yeah. but, you know, I also had my struggles here because, you know, I, I was different, you know, mm-hmm. so I had a little hard time fitting in and just stuff like that. But, right. uh, you know, one of my strengths is, dude, I can adapt to things very well. So eventually I adapted and, you know, made a group of friends and and uh, and got through it. <laughs> that's that's so awesome. You know? When when yeah. you got over here, like. Were you, I'm not going to say lucky enough, but was your stepdad into fishing at all by the time you got over here? No. Uh, he, 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 he did something. Hold on one second. Sorry. My, my, my just no, you're good. <clears throat> All right. You're good, dude. <laughs> Can you hear me fine still? Yeah. No, I can hear you good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my stepdad, he, um, he, he had obviously done some fishing and he did show me some stuff, but the person that really got me into bass fishing was my neighbor. Oh, really? Yeah. So I had this neighbor, right? His name was Rick. Um, he was kind of an odd fella, but (laughs) you know, he'd always be home and you know, I'd always talk to him and, uh, you know, he's like, kid, you like fishing? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he brought me up to the reservoir, you know, first time showing me how to. Uh... Actually, no, no, he uh, he was playing around with a minnow trap. Right. And I was very curious to what he was doing. And uh, he was setting it up so that he can go get these get these little bait fish called mama chogs. And mm-hmm. uh, you can only find them in these like marsh marshlands, mm-hmm. and, like these estuaries, like. Uh, so like saltwater marshes and brackish water. I think that's the only place you can find these fish. And what you would do is you take this minnow trap and you fill it up with a, a mixture of dough, okay. dough and bread. And you just leave it there for like, you know, uh, say the tide, say like mid tide and it's coming up to high tide. So you leave it there for like, I don't know, four, three, four hours and then go back before the tide goes out. And you just get the whole minnow traps filled with uh, mama chogs. And they're like probably about two and a half to three and a half inches long. Just small fish. Yeah. But they're very, very tough. Meaning like, you know, they do well in freshwater too. So you can, so you can put them on a hook and throw them out there. So that's what we did the first time, right? And mm-hmm. uh, we caught tons of fish, tons of fish. It was so cool. And uh, so I obviously copied him. I, I got, went down the uh, 
to Winchester's. I think that's what the bait shop was called in Gloucester. Got one of those, got one of those uh, minnow traps. And, you know, I, I, I used to go to the reservoir by myself after going to the marsh to pick up the, the minnow trap and then just sit around with a spinning rod and copy everything what my neighbor showed me. And, you know, that was really fun. But eventually it got a little boring, you know, because you're just sitting there waiting. Yeah, yeah. So one of these days he went out with me and while I was fishing the, the, the live bait, he's fishing a lure. And he's whacking them. Like he's catching <laughs> big fish. And what he was fishing was was the uh it was like a single curl tail curly tail grub. Mm-hmm. And so I like I was very interested in learning that too. So he showed me, you know, he was like, all right, you make the cast, cast way out there, let it sink all the way to the bottom and then lift your rod tip up, watch your line, wait for it to stop and then do it again. And then just all the way back. And I'll never forget that. (laughs) And I picked it up really quickly so eventually I was starting to go out there by myself again to the reservoirs. Now this time without the bait and just with the, the curly tail worms. And I was starting to catch bass, which is really cool. And, um, uh, from there, like we kind of moved on to salamanders and, uh, tubes also tubes. So, I mean, that's as far as I got, uh, you know, as an introduction to bass fishing, and from there, my parents saw how much I loved it, you know, and that's when my dad got really kind of involved and we would take vacations, summer vacations to like Lake George, Lake Champlain. We went to Lake Champlain a lot. We never fished from a boat, but it would always be from shore. But, uh, you know, many, many summers, me, my mom and my dad would go up there and the two of them would sit in their car and, <laughs> and just... <clears throat> And, and just pray that I catch a fish because we weren't <laughs> leaving until I caught a fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my mom was telling me, she was like, <laughs> she was like me and Jim were sitting in the car just like, you know, it started to get dark and you still haven't caught a fish. And we were just hoping you would catch a fish so we can get out of here and go go get some dinner. Go get dinner, yeah. Yeah. And I finally caught a bluegill. And she said that I was so happy. <laughs> She's even got a picture of that. It's just uh, just one of the memories that sticks out to me, you know. Um, So, yeah, um, those were like the introduction days for me with bass fishing. I wasn't really super into it like that, like technique, technique wise, until I got a little bit older and, you know, it really set off for me. But Yeah, yeah. it sounds like it. Like, uh, I mean, did, were you aware or ever watched like, you know, the, the, early saturday morning tournaments like the bass masters and stuff or was that like completely foreign to you probably until you got a little bit older um not so much the bass masters tournaments but um uh, you know me and my dad used to love watching the charlie moore show the, the charlie moore moore show okay. Do you know who charlie moore is uh that name sounds super familiar hold on let me google he's a, he's, he's a bass fishing bass fisherman from like the northeast and he used to have this show on uh nesson i believe or espn and like you know obviously he'd be fishing and stuff in the show but 
throughout the show he would do these little skits you know like he'd pretend to be like this italian mob guy and it was it was just one of the another one of those memories that i treasure because you know i shared it with my stepdad and we we connected on you know another level yeah yeah and you know we'd constantly like uh kind of like uh um copy you know we (laughs) We would we would try to play out some of the skits that he oh. would do and just yeah, have like yeah. an inside joke between the two of us and that was really cool. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we touched on it. what what state did you grow up in when, once you got over here? Massachusetts. I've been okay. in Gloucester, Massachusetts since I got here in two thousand one and I actually just moved just to the next town over in Essex um this year. So I was yeah. in Gloucester for, you know, 20 plus years. Same that's house. Pretty, that's for yeah. Mhm. Dude, that is so cool. So you get a little bit older and you get into bass fishing a little bit more. I'm, and then, like, obviously, it always seems like, I mean, dude, like, just to a T, like you said, like, you start off and, and you're just super excited to go out and then... You know, you kind of you kind of get to that point where you're super excited when when you when you catch a bluegill like that makes your day for the whole week and you're just you're ready to go out again. And then <laughs> there's kind of that the, there's that clicking point where you like at least for me and I know some other guys like you're super happy to catch fish and then like you you kind of you're like okay I, I'm gonna target X Y Z fish and then you just kind of fall down a rabbit hole of of how to catch these fish, especially bass. Like I grew up when when youtube was was pretty readable and um like there was channels and stuff to watch and i remember just yeah. sitting on my couch just binge watching all these guys just everything drop shotting jigs top water spinner baits like and i would just take in all this information and i would i would scroll the internet and i would go out and i would try to replicate that so was that kind of the next step for you after after you got into fishing and like into catching fish well so ready all all of what i just said right there that was me throughout high school you know okay. yeah high school you know i'd take you know fish uh, i'd take those trips up to lake champlain and lake george with my dad and my mom um yeah around when i was like 16 17 i kind of strayed away from bass fishing for a little bit probably like four or five six years you know um you know, just it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like my priority then. I was a young kid. I just wanted to go out, party, have fun with my friends and hang out with my friends, skateboard. I got into skating heavily. So that kind of replaced it for a little bit. I didn't really get back into it until about 2016, 2017. And when I did, that's when I started really taking it seriously because, you know, there was a lot more information out there compared yeah. to back in the day. There was no YouTube. Mm-hmm. There wasn't even, there wasn't, we, I didn't even have a cell phone back in the day when I was fishing Lake George and Lake Champlain. Yeah. I think my dad had like one of those virgin mobile flip phones that mm-hmm. you uh, preload the card the yeah. minutes on. Yeah. And you got, so, you got to press seven, five. In those days, you would just, go, you would just go to tackle shops and be like, Hey, you know, could you give me a good couple spots? And right, you know, yeah. If the guy likes you, he'll give you a couple good spots. If not, you know, I don't know. So, we did Damn. that. But yeah, 2017, 2016 is when I started really getting back into it. Um, you know, watching videos, reading books. 
a lot of fishing books on knots, tying knots, uh, techniques, you know, and, um, it was like, really, honestly, it was through some friends that I had in Gloucester that really, really helped me get into it because I didn't really have anyone to show me, you know? Yeah. How? Oh, go ahead. And also like, you know, just like I did with my neighbor, I took what I learned from those friends and, you know, the obsession I have for fishing, just go out there and putting time in, Mm -hmm. you know, you catch one fish, you want to catch another one, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was that feeling, you know, the drive that keeps me out there and uh, that, that's, I still have that drive till today. And it, it, uh, just, you can totally relate to that. I think every fisherman, every bass fisherman can relate to that. You know, yeah. that's why we go out every single day. Even if you skunk, you wake up the next day and you're like, ah, I want to go back out fishing today. Yeah, so. exactly. It's just, it's that thing that always is biting at you. And I, I don't know, personally, I mean, I'm sure if you probably, if you catch a 15, 16, 17 pound fish, you're, I'm going to use the word satisfied, but that's just because that's just a place filler for, for another word, I'm sure. But, but you're like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I achieved what is like unachievable for uh, 99.9% of anglers, but you still, you get up that next day, you're like, I, I got to go do it again. Like maybe I'll catch an 18 today. And it's just, there's something about it that you just, it continues and you're just like, I have to go back out there. Like I gotta, I gotta do better or something. I don't know. It's, it's a weird, weird hobby. Right. You know, bass fishing, man, it has so many variables, right? So it's like, you know, right when you think, right when we think that we figured it out, it's like you get slapped in the face. It's like, nope. (laughs) And uh, I think that's what keeps it interesting. And, you know, that's why I don't, that's why I, I think I haven't gotten bored of it because, you know, like I said, there's so many variables like conditions, body of water, yeah. you know, techniques, uh, angling pressure alone. Um, you know, um, you know, it's, I don't know. You just, <laughs> I get this huge sense of sense of accomplishment when I land a fish, especially mm-hmm. on a technique that I've been practicing or like, you know, the, um, targeting these fish in a certain way and then succeeding and do like you know you know that feeling man it yeah, feels yeah. so good dude. like that's why we do this you know um and i think it's also like part of you know being a human dude like to be able to capture you know something like that like a mm-hmm. fish like back in the day like people would do that for food they'd be feeding, yeah, they'd be yeah. feeding the families with that you know so you get a sense of pride and and um a very big sense of uh accomplishment in a way yeah i think um deep down like you were saying like it's fishing i mean you could say same with hunting and stuff it's like a very primitive like an original human skill that that you needed to to survive like to know to survive and i think that's like why people get so giddy like when we catch fish because it's like wow like i I could like if if something was to ever happen or like if I was born, you know, 20,000 years ago, like I I could provide because I I'm able to do it. And it's always I don't know, like you like like you said, it's even even if you catch, you know, uh, a 15, 14 inch bass, like obviously you just you just toss it back. But you always feel like, wow, like I just just caught that thing. That's that's so cool. (laughs) 
Right, right. Yeah, if there's a food food shortage, we ain't going hungry, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on because it's I'm I'm very intrigued that you say it is that you uh you know it's it's always changing and stuff and it doesn't you don't get bored with it and that's why you haven't gotten bored with it and I've touched on it in a previous couple shows but I think it's been a while but that's like for anybody who knows or doesn't know I was I was super big into swim bait fishing like 2017 and then mm-hmm. right around right around 2019 2020 like I don't know what happened dude the only thing I can chalk it up to is I was on a super wicked bite one summer and I mean like I would go out and I'd catch you know five six fish a night and they would all be three and a half to to I mean I I caught some big fish that I didn't have scales for just because I didn't want to carry around a scale but like and I just it just you know you know they say it's not fun when it becomes like a chore and after a while it just felt like I was doing it because I knew I used to have fun with it and it just got so repetitive like not not saying that I was going out there and I was always catching fish, but a majority of the time I would go out there, I would fish the same exact way. I'd catch, you know, a handful of fish a day. And I just, I think I got super content with it. And I was like, well, like, th- this is cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm catching these fish on an 11-inch bait, but it's not as cool as it was a couple months ago <laughs> because I can just continuously do it. Like, it's right. not it's not fun if I'm not getting skunked or if I'm only catching one fish or I'm catching one big fish. Like all these fish are quote unquote cookie sized fish, cookie cutter fish, and it just I got complacent with with doing the same thing on repeat. And that's because I just knew there was fish here. I'd always come here and fish. It was super close to my house. And I think if I if I had the ability to like have a boat or have have a lot of places to fish or kind of expand my horizons and, and drive farther, I think that I would have stuck with it, but I got like so burnt out of it. I, I just completely stopped fishing. Like I, I picked up a camera and I started taking pictures. I got super into that for a year and a half, two years. And then something clicked this, this like winter. And I'm like, what, why did I stop fishing? Like I'm in a completely new area. I I moved, I moved, you know, 170 miles South. Like I have, I have a whole County that I've never explored before with all this river, like there's fish here. Why, why can't I figure these fish out? And for some reason I got back into it and I'm obviously not complaining, but it's, it's just super weird how it all happened. It's like full circle. I'm back into it now. And like I said, I'm not complaining. It's super cool, but it's just so odd to think about sometimes. Yeah, man. You know what, man? I, uh, I agree. I agree with you. What you just said right there. It's like the bad days give value to the good days right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so like yeah. skunking <laughs> skunking is sometimes good because for me i learn a lot the days that i scratch my head and i'm like what am i doing wrong and i'll go home reevaluate and you know make the adjustments and i come back the next day yeah um but that's also because today i i, I have i live the lifestyle where you know I spend a lot of time fishing, bro. Like I fish <laughs> a lot. Like, dude, I fished so much this year, bro, that I lost a lot of weight. I lost a lot of weight, and um, you know, it's it's pretty ironic because I'm sitting there starving myself while trying to feed these fish a fake fake meal. <laughs> That's not karma. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, where am I going with this here? 
I just lost my thing. I thought. <laughs> um, Trey, Trey Smith just messaged me. Uh, he he's he's in the he's in the um, podcast uh, chat room, and he just texted me and he said, "Saw uh, saw Psan just joined joined." He's like, "I'm I'm very excited for this episode. He is a stick." So I I just felt like sharing that while while we were talking because he just texted me that. <laughs> Trey's such a nice guy, man. I met him down in Mexico, dude. He was he was like one of the most laid back dudes. I'd crack a joke, he'd be dying laughing. He was like, "What's that, buddy?" <laughs> That's fucking. That's you know, one of those people that you just click with, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I was actually supposed to go see him uh, this uh, this past this year, but mm-hmm. the plans fell through because I had a couple things come up, and but I plan on going down to Kentucky and seeing him potentially this this coming year. Hell yeah, dude! And, and yeah, he's oh, a really God. nice dude. It was it was really nice to meet him down there and hang out with him. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, talking talking before we started recording and like I said like dude say say whatever you want about swim baits and in the swim bait crowd and, and whatever but there are so many stand up dudes and when you find one you're like oh my gosh this guy is this guy's awesome and then you just you you hang out with him once and you guys are just friends forever like I mean even yep. I mean, all my friends I've I've known for years before I met him uh, on on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and we talk every day. And then when we finally meet, it's like it, it's it's nothing weird. I'm like, dude, I've talked to you for the last four years. Like, I I'm just talking to you in person now. Like, I I feel like I've known you like personally forever, and that's because I have. And it's always fun to put a face with a name, especially on Facebook, dude. Like like guys guys would walk up to the booth during the gathering, yep. and I'd have no idea who they are. And like, then they say, they say their name and I'm like, Oh, like I, I have your profile picture in my mind now. Like I know who you are. Like it makes so much sense now. That's, yeah. That's awesome. You know, I, I actually touched up on that with Pete during our interview there. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, it's awesome because you get to go down there and you meet all these guys that you've been talking to for years and yeah. you get to put the faces to the names, you know, and it's, it's just a good time. And like you said, um, you know, we have this community of guys, dude, like, and we cut with a very diverse group of people too. And what brings us together is, is fishing. We have yeah, that one yeah. mutual connection and you just do it, become brothers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, it, it is. I'm dude, definitely grateful. <laughs> yeah. Eric, Eric from Leviathan. <clears throat> so, um, Marshall, Marshall, homeless fisherman and I, um, we we had just walked up. I mean, this was Friday, so this was before the show. We had just walked from where the show is, the big stadium or amphitheater, whatever the hell you want to call it. We walk up. We walk from there up to uh, the throwback house. So that's like that was um one of the one of the clubhouses on the driveway down to to the place. And we're standing there. We're kind of standing by the road, like kind of tucked in a little bit, and we're talking to some guys in like the next cottage over, and. Uh, what was Eric driving? Was it like a, a Dodge or something? Like something along those lines, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I think he had a Dodge. Like uh, a, uh, like a uh, Charger Avenger, or something? Avenger Charger or something? Yeah. One of the two. It looked, yeah. Similar. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. yeah. So so Marshall and I are standing there like, I, I don't know if our backs are like, maybe maybe we were kind of facing like a 45 degree angle. So if you were driving in, you could see us. And like, we're sitting there talking to these guys, talking, talking. And all of a sudden this car drives by and like, I catch it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I, that's a car. And, uh, like you just, you just kind of hear him stomp on the brakes. I'm like, what the hell? 
And like, I don't think anything of it. I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, we turn around because we're getting ready to walk back. And here's Eric, like, kind, he's like kind of hunched down, like walking between these cars. And we turn around and he's like, Marshall, Adrian, he comes in and gives us both a big hug. Mind you, I, I mean, I, I talked to Eric a little bit, but like nothing crazy. He'd come on the podcast and, and we'd text back and forth a little bit. But other than that, never met the guy. And he, he gives me a big hug, big handshake. And he's like, I'm so glad I get to meet you. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is literally what it's all about. And like, that was such a turning point for me, not necessarily a turning point, but that was a point where I'm like, wow, like. I, I, you can talk to anybody and, and yeah. boom, you're just, you're just friends. You meet them and you are friends. Like, like you'd known each other for years, even if you don't like d- exchanged a couple of DMS, like it's so crazy. It's so cool. Eric is a really, really nice, good, n- nice dude, bro. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, I, uh, I stayed with him at the Leviathan house. At the house. There. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he's a very easy to talk to guy. He makes you feel very comfortable. You know, I, I, I even complimented him on his people skills because like, dude, I want to be like that too. Like, you know, like, yeah, make someone feel comfortable, dude. That's like a skill. You know what I'm saying? Like that's uh, and I, I remember complimenting him on that and he was like, dude, I'm, I'm actually not really like that. I had to learn to be like that, which yeah. is yep. cool. You know, um, that kind of resonated with me and, and, um, yeah trying to better myself in that aspect too <laughs> yeah eric is a super cool guy um obviously Aside you guys, from all the beautiful rods he makes yeah i was just about to say if you guys reah bro yeah eric eric is the owner of, of leviathan yeah. rods if you guys don't yes. know already i mean i'm sure you guys do i've had him on once before and i i, I promote the rods every single episode with the with the ad eric stuff. but uh yeah so so I mean, not that we got off track there, but we definitely, we definitely started talking, but, um, so you get like, you get super technique specific with the bass and stuff and just, you know, kind of taking in loads of information. Mm -hmm. How, how did you, you, you were in mass obviously, which, um, swim baiting is decently big there. At what point in time were you like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Like people, people fish this stuff that isn't quote unquote conventional and I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to see what that's all about. So, yeah, that was around, I would say like 2017. Um, I got introduced to like, you know, the MS slammer. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, I, I didn't fish it <laughs> in the beginning. I just held on to it and I looked at it and I was like, Oh my, how am I going to catch a fish with this? If you want to hear, you know, actually you want to hear a funny story. When I got that MS slammer, I didn't have a setup to throw it. Right. Mm-hmm. I was I went to this tackle shop in Western Mass when I took a trip to the Quabbin Reservoir, and uh, the guy at the store was I was showing him the the bait and I, and uh, he's like I was asking him what can I throw this on and uh, I don't know if I got scammed or not but dude, this dude handed me like a deep sea fishing rod dude oh dude like one of the super big thick white spinning rods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the reel was like it wasn't a casting reel. It's one of those reels that you just click the lever. It's like oh a yeah, 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 like a press button. Yep. Yeah. It's, no, not a press button. It's like you oh. have the thumb to spool, and then you oh. click the reel and it free spools. And yet, it's more. It's not for casting. It's for like yeah, that's like that's like a trolling yeah. rod. We use those for trout it's up here. Trolling, right. So it's you know I'd <laughs> you'd see something like that for like if you're going out fishing for haddock. And you're dropping <laughs> down, yeah, straight down. So 
<laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, I mean, at the time, I thought I was really cool with it, but uh, <laughs> it, it obviously didn't work. You know, when I was casting it, it I, I went, I couldn't cast it very far without getting a bird's nest. And uh, eventually, I got a setup. Um, like I said, through like uh, mutual friends in, mm-hmm. in in Gloucester that were also swim baiting, and um, I got set up with like an Okuma Guide Select and yep. a uh, yeah. what did I use for a reel? It was a loose Super Duty Speed Spool. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So with that, you know, I uh, went out, caught my first bass at this little trout pond on the Slammer, and do it after that. I was just like, dude, that's insane. I literally just caught a bigger fish than I've, you know, than I've ever caught before. Yeah. You know, with yeah. all these other baits. Like, I used to love fishing the chatter bait, dude. And that was my go-to bait. Like, I, I'd throw it everywhere, and I was catching fish with it all the time, and I was content <laughs> until I threw that slammer. And I was like, dude, one cast, and I just caught a bigger fish than I've ever caught my whole life. And from there, it just kind of exploded, you know. And um, another thing that was cool was that we were in, in the, the the age where Facebook was around and mm-hmm. you got Swimbait Universe. With yeah, so okay. With so much information, you know, and good dudes and you get to talk to people. And I started networking in that way and started making some friends. Um I wasn't really catching all that many fish, but my my passion and my drive was there to learn more and more. So I just spent time on the water and, uh, you know, uh, study up on fishing as much as I could, whether it's literature or videos that I could find or even just talking to guys like you, just talking about like, yeah, how, yeah. How, how, how do you fish this? How do you fish that? Asking a lot, a lot of questions. So, yeah. So, yeah, dude. So you you joined twenty seventeen ish, twenty eighteen ish. So, I mean, that was that was probably right around the time I joined in Swimbait Universe. Like, for guys who maybe weren't around then, like, obviously it was a big page, but I mean, what like ten, twelve thousand? Like, it wasn't thirty thousand. Like, almost climbing to forty thousand, like it yeah, is today. It was not thirty k. No, no. <laughs> It was big, but it wasn't that big. It was still a pretty big group, though, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's but the like, biggest group around. It. I mean, I think other than Underground, which I don't think they had. I think that was more of a forum, right? Forum, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the Facebook group. Yeah, and so you get into it, and you're you're kind of making connections and stuff. I mean, 20, 2017, 2018. I mean, what was was Paul making baits at that time, even yet? Yes, Paul. Paul was yeah. He was making baits, piz baits. They yeah. were, they they weren't like as hot as they mm-hmm. are now. Right. That's probably so meaning a lot. Still, right. He's been around for a long time, and he's put in a lot of time and hard work into his art. You know. Right. And he's so, reaping the benefits of it today, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like at that time, Pat the Pats Pats baits were huge. You know, everybody mm-hmm. wanted Pats. They still do. <laughs> it seems today that the piz baits have surpassed the uh the uh pats in value pats. the resale yeah. value easy yeah <laughs> so, yeah um so yeah so i mean you had you had paul around you had buka 
Yep. Uh, Sly, Guy, Sly Guy. Sly Guy was around that time. Yep. Uh, MS. Huddleston. Hinkle. Elude. Trap Bass Bait. Trap Bass. Um, Reckless Bolts, I think. Yeah, Pete Carter. Pete Carter. Yeah, yeah. So really like, cool dude, man. Pete's so cool, man. I've I've talked to him quite a few times. I mean, dude, it's been a while now that you think about it. I we were gonna have we were gonna have him come on, and then I don't know what happened, and I haven't, dude. I've been so swamped. I just I I feel bad because I talked to a lot of guys when I first started off, like about coming on and stuff, and then. Not gonna say I forgot about them, but it just like got put in the rearview mirror because everybody's reaching out to me and I'm reaching out to people, and and he he was one Pete Pete's a guy I need to get on because I was gonna have him on a long time ago. But anyway, <laughs> um, definitely recommend it. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. like there was there was a solid crew of builders back then. Like obviously nothing like there is today, but I'd probably say ten to fifteen like established companies on on the forums back then, right? Mm-hmm. Elude, Lendl, Lendl yeah, Hop. Yeah, he's been around for a while. He, and he's he's going to be coming Elude. on too at some point in time. I've talked to him. We got to just figure out a time now. Awesome, awesome. Good to hear that. Um, I, I'm not. Do you know? You know, Trap Bass Baits, Garrett. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, um, I had I had Seth Nicewang Nicewanger on, and uh, he's he's a California guy, and they actually they messaged me uh after I had posted about him, and they're like, oh my gosh, like uh we were going to follow you. Like we're I, I'm really good friends with Seth. And those are, those are, so, that's a guy I want to have on too, for sure. I haven't, I haven't gotten to talk to him much, but I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to have this guy on. Like he, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Dude, I, I owe a lot to Garrett, Lendl and Pete. So the guys from Trap Bass Baits, Elude and Reckless Rodents, those three guys, they helped me immensely when I was first starting creating baits. You know, yeah. they, they, Garrett sent me my first airbrush machine and he sent me a bunch of like soft plastic stuff. He's, you know, and aside from all the, like a lot of information he gave me and, you know, guidance with, uh, baits, you know, I'd message him. I'd be like, Hey, I got this issue. And he'd like help me f- figure out a problem, which is really nice of him. That's, and same thing with Lendl, same thing with Lendl too. Like a really nice dude. Um, you know, he, he reached out to me and he was like, you know, we kind of clicked and, you know, whenever uh, I would have problems or anything or I'd want to, uh, I had questions about baits, you know, I'd ask him and he would help me out, which, you know, I felt really, really grateful for that, you know, and still yeah. to, the, to this day, bro, he, he still hits me up and he's like, Hey, how you doing? If you know, don't, don't be, don't hesitate to reach out if you, you know, if you need help with anything and, so cool that's so cool dude um so so yeah you're you're 2017 2018 you joined the forums and stuff at what point in time and what kind of clicked with you where you're like okay like i i want to do something on my own i want to make a bait i want to i want to see see what it's all about so it was right around the end of 2018 i started building um we just started you know carving pieces of poplar and uh well first first i started with pine first and then i realized pine is not the best <laughs> for carving um so i made a couple prototype like gill baits with pine you know tried different variations of joints and stuff and um a couple of them i actually started catching fish with it and 
if I didn't catch fish with those, I don't think I would have continued because like the feeling I got from like, you know, knowing I just made this in my mom's basement and went out to the pond and actually caught me a fish. And I was like, dude, like I can do this myself. Yeah. You know, and I just ran with that. And, um, after like a couple variations of a gill bait, I came out with the Sherpa gill. Um, it was also, you know, the bait making thing was also supposed to be like a project for me and my dad, my stepdad. So, um, cause, because he was a master finisher, uh, and he worked for my, my uncle's company, it's, which is called Mark Ritchie Woodworking. And, um, they're one of the best, best, best commercial, uh, woodworking companies, uh, in America. Uh, so they do very, very high end like mill work and commercial work for like skyscrapers. Uh, I believe they built a uh, part of a, they were one of the companies that teamed up together to build Apple headquarters. Wow. Yeah. So they do very high end work just to give you an idea of yeah, um, yeah. what my dad was into. And uh, my dad was a master finisher. My stepdad was a master finisher and he was very meticulous and good at what he did. You know, very good. I also worked with him. I worked for my dad for about three years after high school. And um, that's where I picked up a lot of my skills that, you know, helped me. Um, a lot of my skills that I that I apply to the bait making aspect, as in like sanding, mm -hmm. um, you know, prep work. And also, like, finish work. So, like, that, if I didn't go to Mark Ritchie Woodworking and learn those basic things, I, you know, it, I think it would have been really hard for me to put out the quality baits that, that I put out now. Because yeah. a lot of that really, you know, it was beat into my head. You know, right. Three years of doing that, man. Like, you learn, like, how to scuff, you know, mm -hmm. how to sand. Um, get, get paint how to stick shit. Yeah. Yeah. Prep work is very important, dude. Mm -hmm. Prep work is very, very important. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And dude, also, go ahead. Also, I, after that, I did, I did, um, I was a carpenter framing houses. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that because that's, that's what helped me get familiar with power tools and machinery and making cuts, you know, um, just, just trying to think of what me become the bait bait maker I am today, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing I was going to say to you was, in uh, high school, you know, I, I'd skip class a lot, <laughs> but I loved this one class, and it was always at the end of the day, right? Was it? It, was my, it was my clayworks class. Oh, okay, yeah. And I loved it, dude. And I would actually skip class and then go back to school after just to get to that class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was uh, uh, that was that was another one of those moments in life that you know I always constantly replay in my head. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's that's sick. Um, oh, one yeah. thing one thing I wanted to say is, dude, like woodworking, especially finished woodworking, like you know, um, framing out windows and and just doing anything along that sort. It's like it's. Uh, if, if you're going to do it right, you're super meticulous. Like you are down to the 32nd, if not the 64th uh, 
like one six or one sixty fourth of an inch to to make that stuff like perfect, seamless forty fives, um, and just like super good work. And I think that that is a huge thing to have for like a background to have for bait building. Like if yep. like if it's not good enough for you, then you're not going to do it because it's just it's not that's how you are. Like why would I put out something that's not a hundred percent if I could do it way better? And you're not going to half ass it. You are going to. 100% put everything into it to make that thing perfect, as perfect as it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <clears throat> framing, carpentry framing, I mean, you can, you know, you got an eighth inch to a quarter inch give, but oh, cabinet yeah. making, that's when you, that's when it gets very, very, you have to be very precise, you know. Right, you're yeah. Very high-end furniture and cabinets. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and even like you, like like I said, the finish aspect of things is very detailed. Like you know, you're talking about uh, building a wall out of two by fours. You know, you're not gonna need you're not gonna need to prime or prime and paint that or stain yeah. and clear yeah. it. You know, compared to like these cabinets, you know, you get panels that you got to sand down, mm-hmm. sand it down, <clears throat> send it to finish, then they put on primer. And it comes back. You got to scuff the primer, send it back. Then it gets, then it gets to stain or color. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then it comes back to sanding again. Then you scuff that. Then it goes on the second coat. Come back to <laughs> sanding again. Yeah. Then you scuff yeah. it again. So it's you know a lot of steps, and a lot of those steps I apply to my baits. That's and so badass, people, dude. At the time, bro, I obviously didn't want to work there, but mm-hmm. today I'm like, shit, I wish I paid more attention. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that, that you talked about that you, you have a, a little bit more leeway when, when you're framing framing stuff out because uh, straight weird. out of high school, straight out of high school, I hung siding for almost two years. And so I, I definitely know that like, ah. Uh, yeah, that that looks good. Like, yeah, hang it, nail it. And so, like, I definitely understand where that comes from because siding, you have a lot of variables. Um, siding grows and shrinks with the weather if it's in sunlight, and yeah. you can you can float you can float siding. You can you pull it down a little bit, and put an extra nail into it to to pin it down and finish nails here and there to make it look pretty. But I mm-hmm. definitely know what you mean. I definitely we had some jobs where you had to be super anal with with what that finished product looked like, which obviously always take pride in your work but but there was some jobs you could get away with cutting cutting a little bit more corners than you could at other places for sure right um yep. so do i want to say i remember like obviously i don't know if it was your your first post with the gill but i remember seeing your bait and i'm like this is like super unique like the like the big lips on it and everything where where did the, that inspiration come from? Like, were you just like, I want, like, did you have a set image in your head or did you kind of yeah. just carve and, and, uh, well, okay, well, we'll rewind. I, I kind of got ahead of ourselves. So you first start this bait, was it all wood or did you kind of take your clay knowledge from high school and, and use that to your advantage a little bit? So I haven't worked with clay at all. I would, really? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm probably wow. going to incorporate that into my future baits because I think it'll be a little easier to work with. It could be yeah, faster yeah. also. But I I carved it out of wood, poplar, and uh, so this is how it kind of started. The pr- it was supposed to be a project between me and my dad, right? So I was supposed to 
I was supposed to make the bait and, you know, do make, make the bait and create the bait, get it to swim and stuff. And then he would help me out with the finish aspect of things. And like, that was the plan. But my dad passed away in 2019 in February. You oh, know? Damn. Yeah. So, you know, like the plans kind of got hung right there. But after he died, um, you know, it, it kind of, the pain from that kind of motivated me to finish what we had started, you know? So yeah, yeah. I sat downstairs and it kind of helped me kind of deal with the loss uh, mm-hmm. at the time. And, um, you know, just, I got to carving <laughs> and my idea was, so before that I had already built a couple, couple other gill baits, but the joint style was completely different than what I have now. The reason I came up with that joint style is because it's what I notice in the market is, you know, you have a lot of these V notched V notch uh, joints. Yep. Where it's like uh two where it's like um uh, um you know what I'm saying, like forty five degree angle cut. Yeah, right? yep, yep. That that triangle and, cut. Right, exactly. So and I notice that with those baits, when you wiggle the bait side to side, it kind of hinders the movement, the range of movement, right? It stops at a certain point. So I wanted to make something that would go further than that. So that's why I designed the Sherpa with, if you look at the bait from the top, it's almost like two Vs intersecting at, at the points. Yep. yep. So wider range of movement. <clears throat> and another reason was at the time, aside from the weight hogs and a couple other gill baits on the market that were very hard to get, uh, even the weight hogs was super hard to get then, dude. Um, a lot of the other gills, gill baits that were available, they were just very flat and skinny. So when you look at the swim on them, they were just, it was just, uh, it didn't look very natural. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, you... I, mean, I don't want to say any names, but like when I fished it, I was like, dude, like, I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me. Yeah. Let's say you saw that it could be, more I know that if, be it could be, if it could be thicker, a little thicker, mm-hmm. you the, <clears throat> the bait would oscillate side to side more rather than wobble on an axis. Yeah, makes yeah. or maybe it's just the perception because the bait is wider, right? But the reason I made that gill is because I wanted something I could fish very, very, very slow and still maintain action, and um the the purpose of it was to dis- displace water as displace water and still maintain action at the slowest creeps and I originally designed it for night fishing because that's when I just started getting into night fishing and uh you know after I made the bait I started molding it and uh I started fishing it I remember going out to the pond went out there the first night I was like I caught like, I don't know, eight or nine bass. They were all like two, three pounders, but dude, I was so happy. And, uh, from there it just took off, dude. I, I, uh, I started catching my PBs on it. Got six. I got a five and I got a six pounder. And then I got my biggest fish I've ever caught in my life. The seven thirteen in mass, uh, on my gill. That's so sick. And then the following month, in the following month, I joined my first tournament ever, which was the POTS tournament. Oh, yeah. And uh, I won that with uh, 
18 pounds and 10 ounces for three fish. Damn. All, all three of them on the Sherpa Gill. You know what's funny? <laughs> that's where I, that's, that, that's when I, that's when I met Joey Lan- Lanciati. Oh, really? On the, on the water. Yeah. <laughs> was he fishing uh, the past tournament too? No, but, it, uh, but they were fishing the same body of water that I was on and I was fishing and, uh, you know, so like he, he, him and his buddy, Chris Barnaby actually helped me, uh, take one of the weighing videos. It was one of the, it was a six pound, five ounce bass that I did the weighing video for. I caught it. He came over and he was like, Hey, you want help with the video? I was like, yeah, dude, appreciate that. And that was one of the first times I met him. Really cool, that's, dude. That's so yeah. sick, dude. Yeah. So dude, I mean, you know, talk about confidence bro like i just got my 713 pb and i got like three six pounders in like a span of four days took one the tournament and aside from that i was catching like fours and fives like all the time so like you know it was just feeding my uh my confidence yeah was yeah when when you um for guys who who have never done these online tournaments usually it's uh, I can't remember. I I haven't uh, been in the Pats page in a while, but it's they're they're all they all have their different discrepancies. Some you have to hold up the bait or like talk about the bait or have it in the fish's mouth or whatever. But did you did you say like um you know six pound six pound bass uh, weighed on the Sherpa gill and did were people like what what's the Sherpa gill like was there do you think there was interest brought to you after after that Pats tournament? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, in, in the videos, I obviously, I don't think I said I caught it on the Sherpa Gill, but people knew, you know, cause I had caught my 713 on it. Like, you know, I think like a couple of weeks before that yeah, I mean, yeah. it created a little bit of noise. I mean, aside from that 713, I was, I was getting on fish like left and right before that. that so people so- are kind of aware of like, you know, um, who you are. Big. But the format for that tournament is just a code word, you know. I think yeah, the, code, yeah. the code word was like scrotes McGroats or something. <laughs> and <laughs> is it so I can't I, I, I get all these, especially Pizwiz and then then the Pats one. Is the Pats one is the Pats one open to conventional too? Yeah, you can fish anything, I believe. Okay, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you, you're not like it's not limited to one bait only locked in. Right, right. And so at this point in time, was was there any thought in your head that, that this could be like something big for you? Or was it just you were making baits for fun, you were catching fish on your baits, which is obviously like the top tier thing at that point in time. Was there any thought like, oh, there's there's like people people are buzzing and talking about this bait, like maybe maybe I can make a couple and just, just sell them and see See if these baits are really as good as good as I'm making them out to be to look like on online. Well, at the time, bro, I was just very content. I was just very happy that catching fish was yeah, exactly. I was yeah, yeah. on them, dude. Like I couldn't get away from the water, bro. <laughs> Put it that way. You know, every, any free time I had, I was on the water. Right, and um, you know. To, to be able to have a stockpile of baits and and not worry about losing that that one bait I'm fishing really mm. helped out a lot and helped me push myself to put put the bait in places where you know somebody 
where I would be scared to if I didn't have a repla- replacement. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nothing worse than that, dude. Being on a hot bite, your bait, your bait breaks, and now you have to like, you know, either search for another one or, you know, not have one. Then mm-hmm. your, your bite's done. So, like, just to be able to know that, you know what? Even if I lose this bait, I have another one at home. That that gave me a great deal of confidence, and I just ran with it and just kept fishing. And what happened was people started, you know, asking me, hey, can you make me one? And then someone else would ask me, hey, can you make me one? And then I, did, I, didn't, um, I didn't start my first batch until I got, I got, I think I had like 200 something people's names on a list. Holy crap. Yeah, dude. And, and I made my first batch and uh, that was, it was funny. The molds that I made was like a, it was a one piece mold. Usually a lot of these molds are two piece molds. Yeah. Yeah. One piece mold. And you know, it worked. It did the trick. I mean, it was a little pretty ugly, but you know, a lot of air bubbles and, Mm -hmm. um, but regardless, it was functional and it caught fish. And that first batch, I remember, man, I had done it in like, so many different colors i just added like dye to the resin the resin <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and, uh, you know um i still have one of them here with me it's 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 like a it's got so many pinholes in it dude i believe i think the resin was contaminated yeah I was, that's, what I, that's what i was gonna ask when when you were catching all these fish was this on like the wood one you carved or did you get help and then did you pour, um, did you make a mold and then pour a resin one and use that to fish with? Yes. So it wasn't the wood one. The wood one's the master. You don't, you know, yeah. yeah. don't mess with your master because that's, you know, that's the bread and butter. That's, that's what you make the mold back to the drawing board, you know? Uh So make a master mold it and then, Use those, use those as your prototypes. Yeah, yeah. And from there, you can make any adjustments you want. It just it won't affect your master, you know. Right. Yeah. The master, um, I, I still oh, have. Yep, I still have the master. I still have it here. Um, but yeah, go ahead. What you said. Um, did was this like when when those guys like trap bass and and elude and reckless rodents? Is this when they? Is this like when they're? like help came in handy is when you started to mess with the resin and the micro balloons and, and figuring out your formula and stuff like that's like as an outsider, like to have never poured a bait or anything, that's like the most intimidating thing. I think like looking at it from the outside and I'm mean, even as a bait maker, like that's, I mean, yeah. I, I was talking to Clayton last night and we were talking about, I'm like, dude, like as a bait maker, when, when you pour, especially like your first bait, like you're guaranteed to pour 10 and 15, 10, 15 baits that, that are probably not going to swim right in. I mean, that's like that's like you just pouring resin down the drain. Like you're pouring this stuff with an idea of the micro balloons like ratio and stuff and you could be completely yeah. off and you don't know that until you go and test it and then it's back to the drawing board to try again. Oh yeah. There was definitely a huge like a big trial and error phase, you know, uh, um could mainly because dude there was just such little information you know i I had bought this like hard resin kit from this website and it came with a dvd and this guy you know he's showing how to do how to make the molds which that helped a lot and um but they didn't speak about any micro balloon ratios or yeah you know right. um, 
or any of like the variables that might impact your 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 quality of the right, resin. Yeah. You know, like just simple things as like humidity and you know taking care of your resin and storing it properly. I didn't know that at the time, you know. Now I'm looking at the old bait now and like yeah, that resin was definitely contaminated, you know, just because um the one thing about the resin is man, if you don't if you're getting it by the gallon, if you don't use it right all of it right away, at least for me, um or and if you don't store it properly, moisture gets into it. And um uh, once you get the moisture in it, it's really hard to get it out. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's how you get the pinholes. You see baits with pinholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, right. What, you, you're talking about getting it by the gallon. Um, this this is like an old wives' tale. Like I don't know if this is true, but they always talk about how it's better to, like, if you're on an empty tank of gas, to fill up your whole gas tank and not do like a half half gallon and then, you know, drive a little bit and go to another gas station and fill your car up because like it's not from what i've been told like it's not great to to mix fuel that that's not from the same place like it it can be just slightly different obviously like refined a little bit different and stuff is that the case with resin like maybe maybe one gallon batch you have is different from this other gallon batch even if it's from the same brand or company like obviously there's there's a little bit of discrepancy that, that goes into everything and like maybe Maybe there's just a little bit of difference that could screw it up, or have you never had a problem with with mixing that? Um, so consistency wise, like that from the same companies, I've never had an issue. But yeah, okay. I, I tried a different different company's resin. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I noticed that I had to change the micro balloon ratio and stuff like that. So I just went back to whatever I was using, and you know, I've been using that stuff since day one. Yeah, I I feel like once you find something that works, like unless something catastrophic happens, like your place goes out of business or something, you you just stick with it, and that goes with everything. I mean, like if you find a reel you like, like you you stay you stay with that brand, you you become brand loyal with that. And obviously, yep. if if this company is making a product you like, especially if it's resin, like why would I why would I try anything else? I'll just I'll just stick with it. It does the job, and it's something that you're used to working with. It's not it's not you know, out, coming out of left field and like you said, a different consistency or viscosity or something and just kind of throwing a yeah. wrench in the whole plans. You have to go back to the drawing board more or less. Yeah. So like the only time I've found the inconsistency is pretty much my fault. It's improper storage and mm-hmm. also working in the wrong conditions. Yeah. yeah. And that's something I had to find out the hard way, you know, um, and I've been doing it a while. So eventually I figured it out. And also today we have, a lot a lot of information just on youtube man you know um yeah yeah uh there's i mean there's even pages on facebook i i see when i'm scrolling like uh lure builders or just just all sorts of stuff and it's like it's cool to have that stuff like if you would have had that you know four years ago I mean, how much money would you have saved of maybe not necessarily like your formula and stuff, but like, you know, pouring molds and that sort of stuff. Like you probably, you probably would have saved a decent amount of money if you didn't have to do a lot of trial by fire type stuff. Yeah, definitely. Would have saved a decent amount of money and most importantly, time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, and like, money, you can't get the time back. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, I like. Um, I, I try to do that with the show. Like it's, um, 
it's like a library. Like if you see a name and you're like, oh, that guy, like I'm familiar with this guy. He kind of fishes the same waters or we live in the same state, that sort of thing. And you listen to it and you're like, oh, like that's how he's finding success. Like maybe, maybe instead of buying uh, ABC bait, I'm going to buy XYZ, which is kind of like what he was talking about. And I, I'm going to save myself money in the long run and I'll kind of start off on a base, whether I wouldn't have had that before or not. And it, that even goes with like gear, like obviously gear has a little bit more discrepancy. Like it's all, it all comes down to preference as far as like parabolic load up and everything like that. But mm-hmm. if, if there's more guys talking about, you know, F5 LDC and Leviathan rather than maybe, maybe some of these other rods out there, like the, these like not custom production rods, but just straight up production rods. You're like, okay, like maybe, maybe it is worth if I save up another $150 and I buy one of these rods that that's getting hand turned, like that would, it'll last me longer. It's a little bit more money, but all these guys in the community swear by it. So I might as well just buy once and cry once instead of, instead of kind of cheaping out on it and, and, and going that path with it. Yep. Yeah, I can back that dude. I have this Omega that I've had since 2019 or 2020. I think 2020 and dude best rod i've ever had yeah yeah I, I love my omega what what one do you have or what's that one that you're referring to so, this one i have is this is when they were still making the eight eight foot three inch rod it's okay. a it's an omega yeah if you look at their rod socks it says uh, leviathan omega 8.3 or something like that that's a, I, oh. I believe that's actually the rod sock for the, those rods but they stopped making them due to like the shipping costs and stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then they came out with the other omega which is eight feet which is still an unbelievable rod dude and yeah. that's definitely my go-to rod aside yeah. from the eight three that i have i love that rod <laughs> well we'll we'll touch on that but my dude my omega is old 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 like uh my my buddy i bought it from he used to live down in texas so he got it from eric and it's a couple years old like it's probably 2018 like it is an old old rod and uh i I need i need to buy another one but but yeah it's an old i mean it's it's probably an 8.3 rod and that thing is so slick but we'll we'll talk about what'd you say does it got a shorter handle uh i don't know see so like i Dude, the only other time I've ever played with Leviathans is at the show, and I was so starstruck to see the finesse rod. I picked it up and I played with that for like five minutes, and then I picked up the extra heavy, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I wish I had, I wish so I had money." Dude, and yeah. you know, I'm not a huge like muscular dude, so like you know, like just to have that nice lightweight balanced rod, and, and you know, fishing it for eight hours, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It helps me get in an extra 50 cash effectively, you know? Yeah, exactly. I I used to fish uh, a Savage Gear browser, and then I switched to um, a 13 Defy. And, dude, the 13 Defy is a tank of a rod. Like, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's not super well built, because I, I really enjoyed it, but it is a heavy, heavy rod. Like, you you pick it up, and you're like, yeah, this thing can fish 8 to 16 ounces. But I remember picking up um, the medium-heavy Omega for the first time. Uh, it was actually, dude, it was probably honestly close to a year ago that I got it from from my buddy. And uh, lived in the same apartment complex, so I walk over to his side of the apartment, 
and he meets me out there and he hands me this rod and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like at this point in time, I had never picked up any other swim bait rod other than ones that I had owned. I'd never been to shows to play with them. And I picked this thing up and I'm like, holy crap, this is like a jerk bait rod. Like this thing is stupid, like compared to what I, I've fished previously. And uh, that's just held true. That's just, I think that's why I enjoy him so much is because it's so light and it's just a slick rod. I, I love the way it loads up and it's it's hard to to pick out an ick for that rod because it just does everything I like so well. Absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> very um, well balanced, bro, and yeah. they're very parabolic. Like, dude, I was, I was, I actually caught all those fish like in 2019 with uh with the Nokuma Guide Select. I think it was a heavy power and a fast action. So that's pretty much your soft bait rod right there. Yeah, right. Yeah, loads up to the second guide and then it's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I actually remember, bro, like these fish were tossing the bait and I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I just compensated with some uh, with like three X hooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. PB with like a three X hook, dude. It was a oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember pulling that treble hook out of the roof of that fish's mouth. It was so hard to get out. <laughs> dude, yeah. that's funny. Um, I, I found so much joy with that 13 to five because I was fishing a lot of rock jettas and, and piers and stuff on Lake Michigan. And so, um, it, I mean, same exact boat as you were in and bend down to the second islet, second guide. And that was it. And I was fishing 65 pound braid too. That was, that was always what I fished. And so, um, I I'd sight fish these fish, like when they'd follow my glides and stuff and I'd set the hook, I'd burn them in as fast as I can, you know, uh, drag, tighten down all the way. And I would, I would have to flip them up like six or seven feet. And that's why that rod was so nice because I never worried about snapping that thing. And so I caught a lot of fish, like fishing it like that. And that was like at the point of time where, um, that was like the youth of my swim bait fishing. And I wasn't very technique specific as far as like, you know, drag paired with the line and the reel and the rod you're working with. And, and, you know, like, like having a good rod that loads up and, and sets, sets those hooks into the fish's mouth and doesn't pull them out and you know you fighting the fish a little bit more rather than just grinding it in and stuff like i right. i have changed a lot since i first started that that's for sure yeah and hey i i can totally relate to what you're saying right there because i fish i fish braid too and i always have i've been trying copoly and mono i'll go back to them here and there especially mm -hmm. when i like lose a fish on the jump because yeah. you still lose man you're fishing especially smallies bro oh my oh god my gosh, yeah well, mommy almost made me cry, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jump so much, dude. And then they'll tail walk like 20 feet. Yeah. Head crazy. You know, and in those situations, I go home and I'm like, dude, maybe I'll try mono tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll, hop, I'll spool up, you know, a reel with mono. I go out there, but like, I'm so used to fishing braid mm -hmm. and the feel and the response of braid that, like, you know, it really screws with my confidence when I was yeah, yeah. and co-poly. But um, recently I've been, uh, what I did was uh, use a shock leader. Use like a 25 pound big game, probably like a foot, foot and a half. Okay. And that, that seems to be, give me a little bit of stretch, you know, and uh, I think it, I think it helps me more than just straight braid, you know. 
So I'll do that time to time, especially with my crawler. Yeah. Not so much with the gill, but with the crawler. Right. I, 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 same dude, same exact boat as you. I switched from braid this year to co-poly and I, I think co-poly made me a more responsible angler. I did a lot more retying this year than I did, you know, my whole swim bait career career is kind of a cringy word to say, but that's, that's what I'm going to go with. And, uh, uh, I had some bad experiences with it because, um, you know, rubbing up against rocks and stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's not always blatantly obvious that you need to retie and, you know, fish and braid for five years. You don't always think like just rubbing up against a rock is, is going to do much, especially with like 65 pound braid. That's what I'd always fished. And yeah. I lost, I lost some baits on fish because, um, I, I wasn't responsible when I retied and that was super hard for me to, to get used to. And I, I got used to it pretty quick, but I think I'm going to go back to braid next year just because like you said, super responsive. If you're fishing a snappy bait, like it, it snaps when you, when you cook that reel because it's not stretching or anything. Yep. And I don't know. I just, I have a lot of confidence in co-poly and mono now, but heart or braid is just where my heart is at. Like that's, that's just what I've always done. I have so much confidence in it and I'm, I'm going to go back to it. Are you familiar with the FG knot at all? Um, Dude, maybe I I highly recommend it, bro. I used to do the Alberto. Uh huh. That's a very it's a very strong knot. But the issue I was having with the Alberto is when I'd go to recast my bait. You know, say I have like a short leader. This yeah. This is soft baits. I still I fish my soft baits with braid too, but with the braid to a seven foot you know fluorocarbon leader, twenty pound usually tatsu, mm -hmm. and I'll splice it with the FG knot now. Before I was using the Alberto knot, but the thing with the Alberto knot is you have that tag end. When you're reeling your bait up for a recast, it goes back to the tip of the guide and it gets stuck there. Stuck in there, yeah. And I've had times, you know, when <clears throat> I've either casted off baits or on the hook set, I broke off right at the at the at the connection knot, right? Mm -hmm. But this 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 year, I tried the FG knot, bro. It is so smooth, man. Like I don't even notice that. You, you don't feel that little tick when it goes through your, goes back into the guide. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's a little complex knot, but there's there's a couple videos explaining how to tie it efficiently and properly. And that to a, a to a San Diego jam at the bait. Yeah, yeah. I was just about go to say my go-to, and I don't think I'll tie anything else. I mean, I'll do a Palomar if I'm fishing straight braid. Mm -hmm. But for fluorocarbon, I would San Diego jam at the bait and FG knot at the connection. Yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot of San Diego jam this year, and I I didn't have any problems. I it um. I, I tied it a lot, like with, with like paracord and a water bottle. Like I made sure that I knew how to tie that thing before I stress tested it all on any baits and I got it down. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to fish. So I fished that a lot this year for sure. It's funny you said that. That's exactly what I did when I was teaching myself how to tie the FG. I did it with like, you know, just a, a big string. Yeah. I yeah. It like 40, 50 times that night, just sat around doing it because Every time I got it right, I was like, wow, this is so satisfying. I got to do another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and yeah, dude, I can, I can tie that literally with my eyes closed now. Yeah, it's yeah, nice to get confidence in it. <clears throat> yep. Um, 
so the, not not saying that we like it's a bad thing that we're getting off into these little tangents but uh going going back to that that original list like when you said you took down 200 names did you end up um kind of doing little batches and drops for those guys or did you just <sighs> nose to the grindstone and just pour 200 in a, in a couple weeks and, and get them out that way. No, I think I made the first batch. I think I made like 25 or 30 baits and I just went down the list and I was like, Hey, I got your bait <laughs> and I just mailed them out. Um, guys started catching fish with them. Um, Dude, one guy, this, so yeah, this, uh, couple people got their pbs on it a couple six pounders you know and that made me feel really good too and um i just kept fishing bro i just wanted to keep fishing i wasn't really interested in building the baits Mm -hmm. until the winter came you know and there was nothing to do (laughs) yeah yeah so um, do you do you remember the the first person who caught a fish on your bait other than yourself um so he might not have been the first person, but I remember Ryan Montgomery, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember Ryan. Ryan Montgomery, he caught <laughs> Oh, he caught uh two six pounders. P- there was PB. It was his PB fish. I don't know if it was the same fish, but at the time I had set up the Sherpa Sherpa Swim Baits Facebook group and kind of like started off. I did like a tournament, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And, um, I was like, hey, if you got one of my gills, you guys want to do a tournament? Like, you know, let's get it going. And um, so Ryan caught two six-pounders. I think this kid, Connor Norgrove, he caught a bunch of fish on it. So there was quite a few people that were catching fish on it, which really helped me, uh, you know, feel good (laughs) and gave me confidence to keep building. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's got to be... It was that batch that I did the the colored resin. That was oh, the first. Yeah. <laughs> his his color was like a mint green. <laughs> That's so funny. So at wow. that point in time, were you just doing colored resin? Like, were you painting them, or was it either just bone or colored resin? Those were the two options you had. I think the reason I did colored resin was because so I didn't have to paint them. Cause I'm looking at one of them right now. It's this one's purple resin and it's just got clear coat over it. And it's <laughs> really fancy. It's literally just like, uh, I think it was brush on clear coat to be honest. Okay. It's really sloppy. <laughs> hey, man. Bad. But that hey, was, that was how many years ago? <laughs> right, right, right. And oh. it's cutting the bills for the bait. Oh yeah. But, you know, I do like, I had to drill and fill all the weights. Oh, one thing I left out was um, I was using elude tails, the tails from elude. So oh, that's funny. That's how me and him started talking because, like, you know, obviously I started catching fish on it, and he's always been so supportive, man. He's such a nice dude, and he's definitely, like I said, he's he's been a huge help to me since the beginning, and still is today. Um. Along with uh, Garrett from Trap Bass Baits, like I think that's why Garrett sent me the airbrush kit after he saw that batch of resin resin gills I made. He's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe he's selling this. I need to help this guy out." Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, so originally, were they two piece or three piece gills? Two piece. 
I didn't come out with piece until like last year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at what point in time did you kind of, you know, start dicking around with that, with that airbrush and, and you're like, okay, like I, I don't feel bad painting baits that I'm going to sell now. Like I have enough confidence to do that. Um, after Garrett sent me that airbrush kit, he sent me that airbrush kit. Uh, Wait, yo, you know what? I'm sorry. Scratch what I said right there. He sent me the airbrush kit before I even sent that batch out. I think I just made that batch resin, colored resin, just for the hell of it. Okay. Because I, the bait that I was catching all those fish on. Uh-huh. Oh, man, hold on. I lied again. The bait <laughs> that I was catching all those fish on, those were rattle can, dude. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, and then I made that colored resin. And then Garrett sent me the airbrush kit, and that's when I started playing around with it. It wasn't like a you know super high end expensive airbrush kit. It's the one that you pretty much get at Harbor Freight, dude. The yeah, that if, some, if, central if, New York, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it wasn't like a gravity gravity gun. It was one of those siphon fed guns with mm-hmm. like a little chamber on the bottom. Yeah. Um, but it did the trick, you know, and that's how I got into airbrushing and I, I realized you know you can get a lot more detail finer details with the airbrush compared to the rattle cans mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah. dude i while while we've been talking here i was scrolling down your facebook page and i'm looking at uh your your 2019 post about your gill <laughs> about your gill wake i think it was like one of your first posts of your bait uh, yeah it actually looks like it's the first one and wow like to see the progression of of where this bait has gone that is so crazy yep and hey we got a lot more improvements coming next year too that is so awesome this batch i'm making right now is going to be the this this last batch is the last batch with these molds i got tons of new upgrades coming to these these baits just to make my uh just to streamline my uh my production capabilities and also uh you know it's going to affect the quality of the bay and um consistency throughout the batches yeah Um, yeah rotating hook hangers and uh a couple other things that i'm not really going to go too much into details but the rotating hook hangers i mean a high-end bait i feel like should all all high-end baits should have rotating hook hangers you know yeah just like a plus right Damn, dude, that's that's so sick. So, how how long have you been using this mold? Like once, okay, hold on, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it back. We got we got to go back a little bit. So, yep. so you paint and everything. Um, was this the same bait that you're selling now, or ha- has there been improvements to it since then? I I, I know the answer to this, but so, I'm just asking to to I elaborate. Sold, sold that first batch. And then over the winter, I was working on another batch. And then I don't know how me and Jake met. I think he reached out to me or I might have inquired with him. But me and Jake, like, uh, we got in touch over the winter. Um, and- Jake, Jake, for anybody not off the top of your head, Jake from Row Innovations. Yes. So you know what it was? It was Joe. So remember how I told you I went to go fish that uh, I was I the body of water I met Joe at Lanciotti. Yeah. Yep. So I went back to that body of water. I think this was in the fall time, and I was I saw him on the shore. He was shore fishing, 
And I was fishing, and he's like, hey, what's up? And I, you know, pulled my boat up to him, said, what's up? And he's like, shit. He shows me one of his psycho gills, right, that he had just gotten the, 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 uh, he had gotten refined and got the molds made by Roe. Okay. He's like, dude, look at this shit. It's, it's like Legos. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know how in Legos you have that little, like, that seam? <laughs> I, I can't forget that at all. I can't forget what he said right there. He was like, you know how the Legos have that seam going down the middle? It's exactly <laughs> like that. Thing's so perfect. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, it really is. And I think through him, I might have gotten in touch with uh, Jake. And that's how we took off on the production production uh, production molds for the Sherpa. That's dude, that is yeah. so awesome. And so was this like twenty eighteen ish still? Yes, twenty eighteen winter, I think. Or tw- no no no, this was twenty nineteen winter. Okay, so even then, like Jake was like that, I mean it was one of his first projects along yeah, with Joe. Yeah. yeah. Damn, yep. dude. So yep. like he, w- what did you guys work out for that first uh first refinement? Did he just clean it up, make it symmetrical, that sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, what you do is, you know, if what he did was you take the bait and he scans it, and then um, you know, split it in half. <laughs> yeah, and then you, know, you pick a side that you find, you know, is the best, and then you just mirror it to make it more symmetrical, and then yeah. uh, and then he works his magic with the molds there. That's you know? so awesome which really helps streamline any production process. Yeah. Not only like, you know, because you don't have to go make another mold, make another, you don't have to, ha- you don't have to go make molds yourself. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So to be able to just order them from him really helped out a lot. And they're all the same. They are exactly the same. And I think that's a huge deal. Yeah, man, like, think about it. Remember, like, not to knock on it, but, like, wood baits, right? Look at wood baits. Mm-hmm. Two pieces of wood are never going to be the same, man. They all got different their own quirks, yeah. Might even have, you know, different buoyancy. Mm-hmm. So, like, with resin, I mean, you can get it down pretty close if you are, you know, know what you're doing. Right, yeah, exactly. And it's it's all uniform, and it's just, it's it's kind of like, I mean, this is a stretch of the thing, but when you start something like when you, when you start Sherpa baits or when you start a podcast scales and tails podcast, like you have to brand yourself and you have to, you know, make everything the same. I, I just recently decided like tan and black are going to be the colors I go with for my website and, and for other stuff that I post, like, uh, like my, my posters for the episodes and stuff. And I, and I've just started doing that. And like, you have to do something that's just repetitive. So when people see it, they're like, oh, I know what that is. And wood baits are a little bit harder to do that. Like you said, like wood grain and stuff is always different. But if you have a resin bait and it's literally the exact same multiple for 200 baits, like people, people notice that. Like it's just something that it helps brand you. Right. It's not going to be 100%, but it's going to be a lot more, yeah, more yeah. than any wood wood baits you know um and also wood baits i mean you think about it you'd have to weight each one differently to get that consistent swim mm-hmm. yeah just more time yeah <laughs> wood baits are super cool um 
it's definitely a uh, well, what's the word here? Um, novelty thing, I guess, is probably what I would say. Like, yeah, small batches is super cool, but I feel like if if you're trying to pump out like a lot of stuff, wood baits probably isn't necessarily what you need to be looking into. That's for sure, especially if you're hand carving it and stuff. Like, dude, oh my gosh. Well, also, they take a lot of maintenance, man. Like, yeah, I mean, stealing them and stuff. Big baits, and you know, with big baits, you need heavy hooks, bro. Like, and heavy hooks, they gouge. And and once you get, once you break through that clear coat and that primer, and your wood sealer, your wood's just soaking up water. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a prototype that I was fishing, which was mm-hmm. wood, which was wood, and it was just like trout bait i caught a ton of fish with it caught a ton of fish with it but at one point it started sinking dude i'm like what the hell's going on i'm like oh Uh no yeah the the hooks you know the hook rash wore into the bait and then it just started getting waterlogged and i remember having to leave that bait out in the sun for like two three days and i can (laughs) fish it again for like you know two outings and then it starts sinking again yeah so Uh my i had a mother and it it started to take on water and i was like oh my gosh this is so shitty mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's what that's the trade-off for it yeah well you know if you want to go home and put nail polish on it every day that works I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but it's it's more work man yeah just, just um, in my opinion um, right resin yeah. will definitely last a lot longer Oh, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you you and Jake hook up, and he he gets you the two piece all refined and, and looking good and stuff. How at what point in time did was it like okay, I I want to do a three piece, and did you hit up Jake right away, or did you think it was something that you could kind of do on your own, or were you, did was it just automatically like I'm just gonna have Jake chop this up and and make more molds because it's gonna be done right the first time. No, the three piece. I was cutting. I was hand cutting all the joints on them. Made a oh jig, cut them, and then you know, obviously, um, outline. You know, a template for my. I have a template for the slot. Okay. Yeah. Dremel it out. Drill the pinhole, and uh, all the baits that I put out for the three pieces so far have been hand cut. But, <laughs> but. I just recently just paid him for um, for the molds for the three piece now, so we're working on that next. Hell yeah, dude! That's so just sick. Just to them, you know. So, and then after the the crawler, we'll we'll get on the crawler next. You mm-hmm. you fished that bait for a long time, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> dude, that bait the crawler took. <laughs> Took my gill mojo away from me, bro. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the gill is so subtle. And I fish it very, very slow, dude. Um, I call it almost like a finesse wake, bro. Like, the way these fish eat it, dude, I know they're following it. They're following it. It's almost like, you know, like creeping a hut on the bottom. Uh-huh. You know, you're creeping it on a slack line. Yeah. You feel a rock. Raise your rod tip up, boom, bring it over the rock, and then you're creeping it back on a slack line. It's the same exact concept as how I fish the gill bait, the two-piece gill. And I find a lot of success in that. You know, what's funny is 
the reason I ca- uh, I learned how to fish the soft baits is because of the cadence from my gill bait. And I explained that to a lot of people, especially my buddy Pat. Um, he's gotten really good with slow waking that gill, and he understands how slow to creep it. Yeah. He's asked me, he's like, dude, how do I fish the soft bait? And I'm like, dude, just think about waking a Sherpa gill, but it's on the bottom. Like, literally, <laughs> slack line. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So how, when, when did they come into your mind? Like, I, I want to make a crawler bait. Okay. The crawler bait. So I realized, you know, um, just thinking as a fisherman, right. Um, and having different tools in your lineup here. So the gill is so subtle and sneaky, right? So I wanted something, something, uh, something on the complete opposite spectrum. Just mm-hmm. loud and obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. My crawler is exactly that, bro. Like when I was testing this thing, man, I would go out there and I'd go beat up this body of water. I'd catch tons of fish, right, on the crawler, and I couldn't get away from that body of water. And obviously, the the fish would start getting used to the bait. <laughs> then out comes the gill. Fish those same areas with the gill, dude. And I was I at. I caught the same fish, this blind, this fish with one blind eye out of the back of this inlet. I caught him on the crawler and like two days later, I caught him on the, on the gill. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, bro. It's, it's pretty intense. Um, I mean, fishing that bait really taught me a lot about, you know, the fish alone. Um, they get educated very fast, especially the yeah. big one. It's, it's you know? funny that you say that because <sighs> Uh, going back to, to people talking about coming on the show, I, I there was a guy from Mass, and um, we were talking back and forth. I'm like, so is is the crawl or is the wake bait bite that good? And he's like, yes, it used to be super super good. He's like, now he's like, those fish know what it is. And I'm like, oh really? He's like, he's like, okay, they don't know what it is, but they you can tell that the fishing's kind of come down. Like they they have an idea of what's going on. He's like, from when I started to now, he's like, you can definitely tell a difference. And I'm sure he's talking about like ponds and stuff like that are getting right. fished hard. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy to think about. He's like, I don't do that. He's like, I don't even take a wake bait with me. And he's like, I, I he's like, I'm always trying new shit because I don't want these fish to catch on to what I'm doing because I want to come back and catch these fish anyway. He's like, I go out only a couple times a week. I only make, I only fish for like an hour or two each time. He's like, I, I limit myself. So I'm not teaching these fish anything. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Dude. Fishing pressure is very, very real, man. I really believe in that. Here's a prime example this year. Um, so I was fishing up North, um, in New Hampshire and I have this place that I fish up there. Right. And, uh, I was catching a good amount of fish on the crawler, like four pound smallies, um, you know, tons of like four pound largies all at night. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the fish got used to the bait. So like I'm doing the milk run around this lake and you, you know, you're going from like seven, eight fish a night to like nothing or maybe yeah. one fish, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, so I went back down to mass for like a month and then I came back up, dude. And I did my milk run one more time, bro. I smoked them that night, dude. I got like, I think like, I don't know. It was like a 24 pound night or something. That was a good night for me. And then I go back the following night thinking, you know, it's going to happen again. 
not a sniff, bro, for like three nights, dude. And I'm very stubborn. And I'll make sure I'll make sure to go back there and you know make sure they're definitely not eating it. So with that, I had to kind of like uh, kind of uh, go back and reevaluate and come back with a different tactic. Right. Yeah. So yeah. The fish get really smart with it, and what do you call it? I was using live scope, so okay. I, I I bought this bass boat last year, and it came with the scope on it. So I was like, sweet deal. And I actually started using it this year at nighttime with the crawler, That's dude. I can literally see these fish right, like before they would literally shoot up from like fifteen twenty feet out of the grass and just freaking blast the crawler. Oh my gosh, that is so mm -hmm. awesome. Those other nights, you know what they were doing? They were freaking shoot up and then just stop and then just mosey on back down. Like, dude, they knew. <laughs> they knew. Yeah. Like, Frank told everybody else, don't eat that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Dude, but, um, I want to yeah. say your boat is so slick. Is it a Skeeter? Is that what it is? Oh, it's a Nitro. Nitro? It's dude, it is so cool. Nitro. Thanks, man. I, I Come I up with it anytime. I saw a picture of it. And I'm like, that is it like, is it teal turquoise? Is that what it is? Or like green? Maybe it's like a greenish. It's a green color. It's got some it is, metal. It is in slick. It. It's a slick it's color. Been, for, sure. for an older boat. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. So you were talking about like testing out the crawler and stuff right away. Did you, did you have a game plan on what you wanted this thing to look like and, and how you wanted to do it? Um, yes. Um, you know, I drew out, I usually, before I make a bait, I usually draw, you know, draw the profile out and detail yeah, and yeah. make photocopies of it and then glue it on your piece of wood and start carving. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn. And so did, did you, you know, at that point in time, you weren't, I mean, I'm, I know bait makers who make a lot of baits and they just never do anything with them. So when you first started the crawler, did you just pour your own mold, two piece mold or one piece mold and then go from there just to see like if your interest was there or see if it was something that, that you were confident enough in to build and sell and, and even catch fish with. Yes. So pretty much a whole season I used the, I molded the master poured, poured a bunch of protos and, Went out and fished the protos all season. And it wasn't until the following winter that I, you know, hit up Jake and I'm like, hey, I got this thing dialed in. Let's uh, move forward with this. And and we got the production molds done. That's that's so sick. Yeah, because yeah. I, remember, I remember you making a post. Was it was it this spring or when when did you post about the bait? So the bait... I was posting about it last year when I was, you know, testing it and catching a lot of fish on it. Um, but I didn't show the bait at all until until the beginning of the year once I got the molds done. Okay, because I remember you making a post and you're like, it's a long, long time coming. And then you talked about like how you'd been doing it for like fishing it for a whole season. Like, oh, my yep. gosh, like that. Um, Dude, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> yeah. And like, guys. There's there's a lot of people who make a lot of baits and they might not necessarily put that much time into it, let alone a whole season. Like 
that that's saying a lot, dude. I, I that's just flat out all all I can say is that says a lot that you're able to R and D this bait for a year and catch a bunch of fish and and not be able to put it down, like not want to put it down. That that's just it's a straight up fish magnet, and I think that speaks to a lot of people for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Um, I think it's really important to do R and D. You know, I mean. One of the main reasons I do this is so I can provide myself with some tools to fish. And I'll do it honestly, there's no better feeling than catching something on your own creation. And also knowing that nobody else has that right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, say you just uh, made yeah. something in your basement, just completely different than what's out there. Mm-hmm. And then you go fishing in these waters. The fish haven't seen that thing, dude. You know, that alone gives me confidence to go out there and chuck it now. Yeah, so, that's so awesome. Try to think positive, you know. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have some hope, <laughs> dude. That's so sick. Um, kind of, kind of wrapping it up just a little bit. Uh, how how do your drops work? How 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 do you go about doing drops for people who are interested? I have my website, which is SherpaSwimbaits.com, and. Whenever I have drops, I usually let people know on Instagram and and on Facebook, and I, I'll I, I'll uh, announce the drop dates and just post them up there, and people grab them. Hell yeah, dude! I'll people I'll, can message put, me too. You know what you say? People can message me too. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Anytime. Yeah, I always check my Facebook messages and Instagram messages. Perfect. I'll uh, I'll I'll put I'll put your website in in Facebook and Instagram. And everything in the show notes for for anybody. Um, you're you're actually working on a batch right now, right? Yes, I'm working on a batch of crankdown gills, which are new. I've been protoing those over the summer. With the these have a <clears throat> these have a longer round bill rather than the square bill that the that the bait originally has. Yeah, yeah. And the bill is longer than it is wide, so it it dives effortlessly. And the resin recipe on that is also a little bit different. And the mm-hmm. weighting is also. Yeah. And so aren't the hardware. The hardware will be different too. Um what are what are the specifics about this bait? Uh like like the d- depth it dives and the weight and stuff. About five to six feet. Dude, that's perfect. That's yes. such a good depth. Like it's uh, not too deep. Really but... For cranking corners of docks, at least for me this summer, it was great. <clears throat> they would literally stop that thing in its tracks. That's so awesome. It's a really nice dead walk to it till you crank it down. Oh, give it yeah. Twitch, 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 and you just get slammed. Hell yeah, dude. How much how much does it weigh? Uh I would think it would probably weigh a little more than the other gills. Probably three point seven five OC. Yeah. Perfect. Enough. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like that that sounds perfect. Um other than that, it's like Pretty pretty damn similar to to the wake. Yes, yes. Perfect. Um, but the wakes, you know, the wakes won't. They're so buoyant that they, you know, the bills way too short. Yeah, the bills on the wakes they are wider than they are long. So it's you know, if you're cranking that thing, you're really working yourself, man. Yeah. Right. 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 Um. These new ones, you know, it's they dive down nicely. That's so sick. What what uh, what are you painting them, dude? Your bluegill, the gill. I'll have to I'll have to send it to you so you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
but your gill paint, I'm a huge fan of the one style you do of like the squiggly. I don't even know how to talking about (laughs) you do. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. Yeah. That that is, that's so badass. It's actually, uh, your the fifth post you posted when you're talking about the tail installation, like that paint, like that's such a sick bluegill paint. I, I like that paint a lot. Thank you. That um, pattern's evolved a lot. Yeah, yeah. Get better at it for sure. Yeah, it's it's one of my most satisfying patterns I like to do. It takes a lot of time, but I really enjoy it. That's yeah, another dude, that, reason I that is sick. That's yeah. sick. What um so I don't I don't know. I I might have cut you off before you got to, but what uh, what color are colorway are these crankdowns gonna be in? So I'm gonna do obviously the bluegill. Yeah and perch and the golden shiner so those three patterns hell yeah man do yep. you have uh do you have a number for your drop in mind as far as how many there's going to be yes for this one it'll be 50 baits 50 crank down gills hell and yeah. i'm planning to drop them like december 16th or 17th i haven't decided on the date yet uh i'll have a post i'll make a post this weekend with the with a confirmed date perfect dude that's the yeah thanks make make a good christmas present for anybody that's interested (laughs) sir uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i I was thinking about touching on is is there anything else off top of your head that we might not have got oh oh that's that's the one thing um the gear maybe maybe not necessarily recommend but but what do you fish fish your wake on and stuff in, in the crawler if it's not the same setup so i have a heavy omega mod fast uh eight foot as the rod and i switch between either the conquest 300 or um i've actually started to really like these curado 300s you know they're pretty like for a 300 size reel the price is right and i've i've put i've put some time in with the ones i have and the drag system's good i haven't had any issues so starting to like those too so i think those would be good 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 entry level reel for anyone that's starting to get into it yeah if not conquest um, you can really beat a conquest bro right as far as as far as line uh do you recommend braid or just kind of whatever anybody's comfortable with? I would recommend braid just be, for, I mean, for me, just because I fish braid. Right. But if you want to get specific into which braid, Max Quattro, that stuff Max is Quattro. great. Yeah. It's I, 25% thinner than, you know, your traditional 65 pound braid. So if you're getting like 65 pound, 60 pound Max Quattro, it's like 40 pound braid damn that's yeah. freaking slick i I've been, yeah i've been getting the uh the slick eight power pro or no is V2 it too yeah, yeah yeah i think that's what that's it is and i i've been a big fan of that that stuff's really good too um it is very smooth and doesn't make as much noise coming through the guides i was using that before i used the max quattro i probably won't ever go back to anything else now <laughs> oh, um, dude the max quattro is so good it's expensive but you know just put some backing on your line on your reel yeah yeah exactly uh 100, one thing... 100 yards at a time <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I do. oh 
hardware. Do do your baits come with hardware? Yes. And... They all come tuned. I swim test every okay. one of them. Uh, they come with hooks, hardware, and a spare tail. Hell yeah, dude. Um, and my business comes with my number. But nobody's dude, ever called me or texted me. They just messaged me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I give you my bait with a card with my number on it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Call, just... call me. It's also like, uh, I don't know, like sometimes sometimes it's a really weird feeling like having somebody's number and them not having yours and texting them and be like, hey, like, this is so-and-so. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I hope that either he wrote this number down right or like he's not going to be like, who is this? Like, what do you what who what do you need? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe people think they might be bothering me, but dude, yeah. just call call or text you know it's probably honestly the, the best way to get in touch with me i mean facebook's there i'll check it in the morning and at night but if you text me and if it's urgent it's right on my phone right you know this and is if, my if, job if it says anything this man is recording the podcast before we started recording the podcast i, I was i was telling him how how uh how we do stuff and i was like if you need to do anything you know get a drink or anything you can we can pause it and edit it out and uh he's like oh no i'm all set he's like i'm sitting down and i have my coffee and i'm like whoa like coffee it's you know it's it's like it's almost seven o'clock and i was like coffee and he's like oh yeah he's like well after this i'm gonna i'm gonna go go back into the shop and i'm gonna go work on some baits so i mean he you're dude you're you're hardcore you're 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 moving along that's for sure thanks brother yeah definitely dedicated (laughs) yeah exactly and is uh we didn't touch on this is this what you do for a living or do you have a nine to five this is it now dude that is Um, that is so sick yep um you know i'll have some exciting news for you everybody this 2023 you know i have some things that i'm working on right now and it's uh very high potential for growth for the business and manufacturing wise and also in 2023, I'm gonna start the uh, tournaments back up on my page, and oh, yeah. I'm also looking to uh, create a pro staff team. Oh, dude, that's slick. Um, shit, there was something I was gonna ask you. Oh, uh, last, last, like, big question regarding anything. What uh, I mean, you know, some stuff that maybe you wish you knew when you first starting started out that you didn't know at the time or even just some stuff you've learned along the ways, like tips or just general insight for somebody who's, who's starting the bait build. Do you have any, any feedback for those guys who are just starting and, and maybe need uh, just a little bit of advice from somebody who, who is doing this for a living and who's found success with bait building? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I would highly recommend you literally get married to YouTube and watch every single video they have on there just like you know type in like mold making or you know carving baits marling baits solar baits a lot of those guys give off a lot of good information doesn't mean that you have to do everything they do down to the t but just take what you can you know and uh apply it to your own style and everybody's different and one other thing i you know i would really highly recommend is test your baits if you can't test them, have other people test them at the least, you know, it's going to help you out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. R and D. Yeah. I think that, uh, it comes down to R and D. I just, I think that's all it is. Like if you want to be successful and you want to find, um, 
find yourself to be able to maybe not necessarily make it, but to, to make an impact and, mm-hmm. and, be, and be successful, you, like you said, you have to be married to it. You have to think about it all the time. And I feel like if you're always making improvements, then you're never going to make a step backwards. I, I feel, I, I think that's a hundred percent true. If you, if you're married to it and, and you obsess over it, then it's hard to, I, I don't know. It's hard to do wrong, I guess, but that's not even, that's not even really what I want to say, but that's just, that's the only thing I can think of saying. Eat, sleep, and drink swim baits, man. Like, yeah. it's your life, you know? I mean, at least for me, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I like like I was telling you before we got started, I, I sit at work and I have a notepad next to me and I've got pages upon pages of whether that be sketches for, for ideas or, you know, ideas moving forward or t-shirt ideas or just you know i have a list of guys that i need to hit up and and talk to about coming on like just anything if you i mean i I talked clayton and i talked to clayton sly and i talked about this last night and and we really kind of hammered it home like we are right now like if you hyper obsess over something you're gonna find success with it i feel like i feel like that's true 100 percent of time if you give it Mm -hmm. your all then then you're gonna get fed back from the universe, the world, I don't know, karma, whatever it is, like you're going to find success in it. Yep. You hit that right on the head, brother. I just you know, passion. think that's how it works. Yep, exactly. That success for sure. Yeah. You know, yep. you're right. But, uh, yeah, man. If, if there is nothing that, uh, that you can think about that we didn't touch on and I say that and, and you're probably like, Oh no, we're good. You'll get off and you'll you'll be in the shop tonight and you'll be sanding a bait and I tell this to everybody and they probably blow it off and you'll be sitting there you'll be sanding a bait and you'll be you'll be thinking about it and you're like oh my gosh I cannot believe I completely whiffed and missed on this and you'll shoot you'll shoot me a text message tomorrow and be like oh my gosh how did we not touch on this and I'm like oh I guess that's just an excuse to come back on and you know eight times out of ten that's exactly what happens with everybody they're like oh my god we completely missed about talking about this oh my god i asked and you said yeah so i guess we'll just have to get you back on (laughs) (laughs) yeah um no i'd just like to give like thanks to a bunch of people if that's cool dude yeah go for it i mean air anybody out you want just let them know give a huge uh shout out and thank you to garrett from trap bass baits uh lendl ha from elude Pete Carter from Reckless Rodents, Gus from Swimbait Culture, um, the Swimbait Universe guys, Wayne, Chad, you know, um, and most importantly, like all my supporters, all my all my fans and my family, um, my extended family, the Inseras, and, you know, very grateful for all the support and love throughout the years. Um, really, really, um, you know, all that really drives me to do better and become better at what I'm doing right now. And yeah, thank you I, for having me on, <laughs> dude. Of course, of course. Uh, I will say it. It's super cool that that we do this stuff, but to look behind you and and see a line of people who who not only support you but who who. Dude, I don't even I don't even know the words. Like I'm not very good at talking, but but that like that want to see you succeed, that that help share your stuff, you know, buy your yeah. buy your base, buy your shirts. And it just it's you just sit there and you're like, wow, like 
I am extremely lucky to to have this support system. Like I have, you know, 700, 700 people, well, you know, closer, closer to a thousand people that listen to every episode. And it's like, wow, like wow. I cannot believe that a thousand people find joy, not even in myself. Like I have people on that everybody is just generally curious to hear about. And it's also nice because like I, I'd asked you and you'd been on a couple other platforms, but you'd never necessarily been on a podcast that's going to get posted. And, you know, um, I recently I've kind of I've kind of branded myself as, as a swim bait library. Like you can go on here and you can listen to anybody that I've had on at any point in time. You can rewind it. You can you can write stuff down like it's just I don't know. It's an endless book. And it's so crazy that I'm doing this. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just weird. Like it's super cool, but it's weird that nobody else has ever thought about it or done anything like this, I guess. (laughs) I'm very happy for you. And I think what you're doing is great. It's great for us. It's great for the community. And I really wish you all the best, man. And uh, you've definitely gained another follower right here. So I'll be putting on some of your podcast when I get back in the shop tonight. Hell yeah, dude. And it's, uh, it's nice because like you guys who the builders, like who, who post on universe and post on Instagram and stuff, that's super cool. But people don't always get to hear your voice. Like people, people may have had no idea what you sounded like, or no, obviously no idea your story. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that's personal to you into like for the guys, like I'm sure, um, we'll post this in, in the Sherpa page on Facebook. And like, those guys may not have any idea of who you are personally. And then after hearing this, it, it's always, it's always super weird that like I talk about um, not knowing my listeners, but I've told how many stories of me growing up of, of previous jobs I've had of just all sorts of stuff. And like um, they, they know who I am, but I have no idea who they are other than what I see on social media. Like it's so it's, that's another super cool thing. I feel like. I think what you're doing is really cool, man. And I, I, re- I want to see you succeed in it. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. I try. I think you're doing pretty good. It's, uh, it's just, it's just a glorified radio station. That's what I feel like. I, I don't make the shows the guests do. People, people don't listen to 52 episodes of me talking. They listen to 52 episodes of 52 different guests who've, who've come on and who've gotten to tell their story and talk about how they find success in this very odd thing that we all do that's probably too expensive for most people to understand (laughs) yeah it's definitely a niche market (laughs) yeah yeah dude exactly but um what's what's your instagram for anybody who doesn't know my instagram is swimbait sherpa and then the um uh it, it, the facebook page is public right i saw that poll up yesterday and i wasn't sure if it was still public or private facebook business page is yeah. public but okay. the group seems like i mean you know you got 94 percent people voting to make it private okay, i think yeah. that because it kind of you know it it uh it limits the amount of spam yeah yeah people, for sure you no know, shouldn't even be in there that don't fish and, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah to kind of protect the privacy of a lot of people too. And I plan on running the uh, tournaments also next year on that group. So oh, yeah. that'll be, yeah. that'll be a so little sick. bit more work for me accepting people in and stuff, but that, I'm, I'm ready to take that on. 
Yeah. Hell yeah, man. What's um what's what's the Facebook group page? Sherpa Swim Beats. <laughs> I'll I'll put that in there. Um I'll put the link in there. So um make sure you guys join so you don't put a lot of work on San to to accept people. But if you do, I'm sure he'll appreciate you guys still joining no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Um yes, sir. also uh make sure you guys keep an eye out for that drop. You know, that December, you know, later December date, sixteenth, seventeenth. Make sure you guys keep an eye on the page if you guys want to scoop one of these crank down gills because um do you do you have like a, an idea of when the next drop will be, or is this the last one for a little while, at least until a little bit through 2023? So this will be the last drop of 2022. It'll be 50 baits, and it'll be the crankdowns, and that will be the first drop of the crankdowns. And after that, I, I plan to have um, – I'll be very busy in the shop. And also, like I said – I'm working uh working on a couple things right now um yeah, to yeah. you know expand my production capabilities so there will be a good amount of baits coming <clears throat> this following year along with uh, some new models Hell yeah I got that, that mini gill I saw so that yeah that's sick <clears throat> kind of get that get that uh dialed in and hopefully out for you guys once I'm once it's ready I don't have a date on it yet <laughs> To be determined. Yep. Make sure you guys follow the pages so so you're up to date on all that good stuff. Yes, sir. But uh San, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a super good time. Uh like I said, it's it's been two hours and my statement still holds true of you having the coolest, most um, you know, un unnatural as far as what we usually hear, you know, background and come up story because you know, 52 episodes, it's it's hard to be number one. And I think you hold number one. You reign number one in that category. And maybe maybe when I talk to some of the Australian guys that I have planned, maybe maybe something cool will come up. But I, I don't think it's going to be anything as cool as what you were telling us today. Oh, thank you so much, Adrian. I really appreciate that, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude, of course. Um, Like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on. I will leave everything linked into the show show notes. So... Like I said, make sure you guys follow him on Instagram. Keep an eye out on the drops. Uh, join the Facebook page if you're interested. You know the tournaments happening next year at some point in time. And I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you post stuff in there that maybe you don't necessarily post to the the whole masses of the general public. You know, maybe maybe tease some stuff here and there for those guys who who are in that group. Yeah, we have you know discussions about you know I mean the group group is there so that people can you know if you have a question. You post it on there that way yeah. you know we can get get an answer for that and then the whole group can see it be you know whether it's discussing retrieves techniques um you know just gear so it, it it's a it's a page where um community <laughs> yes and you can use it you can, i want people to utilize it it's also another place where if you want to trade trade your bait for another bait like as long as it's sherpa swim baits related go for it you know, I wanted to create that. So that's so awesome. So make sure you guys join all that stuff because they they are slick looking baits. I am a big fan of them. I've yet to own one, but they are. I do. It's just such a unique shape, and and I'll you're doing you something. Did, well, we'll talk about that later. But, uh, it's it's a unique thing that that nobody else is doing. It is your own thing, and I think that that's so awesome to see. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. But I want to thank Psan for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. A little bit longer episode. I mean, 
just just over two hours but i think that this was a super kick-ass episode from beginning to end there was a lot of information that uh as you wouldn't know unless unless uh he was on here talking about the baits and, and that sort of stuff so i want to thank thank him for coming on it means a lot i want to thank you guys for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode it was definitely a fun one to record and you know it's it's top five for me for sure this will probably be one that i listen to because i i got to live in the moment but i didn't necessarily get to process everything so i want to thank sound for coming on i want to thank you guys for listening like i said um also but i almost closed it out before doing all this stuff make sure you guys follow the podcast on instagram scales and tails underscore podcast Make sure if you guys enjoy the show to give it a rating on your listening platform. That really helps boost it out there to people who maybe aren't following it on those uh, on those listening platforms. And then uh, if you guys haven't already, check out the December sticker. We're doing the Bass and Buzz. Bass is holding a a uh, a beer can that says all the good scales and tails information on it. Uh, enter that, and we'll do a giveaway bait. I have no idea what the bait is yet, but it's going to be something good um also started a patreon and that is kind of a subscription service so if you enter that and do the reoccurring monthly payments you'll automatically get one of the first 50 stickers that are dropped for the monthly giveaway and then also that's where i'm going to be posting all the behind the scenes stuff the limited merch um and just the the stuff that i'm working on that i not necessarily want to post to everybody but i want to post to those people who are supporting me and who enjoy the show a lot so Make sure you guys check that stuff out. Make sure you guys check out Sherpa Swim Baits. And uh, this is officially, we're closing down the episode now. So I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Until next time, guys.